There he goes, Jeff Howe. It's only an hour from 11 to noon right here every single day. It's now time for the award-winning Midday with Trey and BK. How you doing today, brother? I am good. I didn't realize you were pulling triple duty today. I didn't either. And I called out Wags earlier today. I'll call him out again. He knows I love him, and that will never change. But uh, the, he hit us with the classic eight minutes before the shift, I can't come into work text this morning. So, oh, wait a second. Have you been on since 8 a.m. then? No, no. I was on from 8 to about 1040. And then I had a call. So, Jeff was nice enough to come on 20 minutes early to co host with Rodney. And then Jeff was just with Eric Henry for the last hour. Uh, and Eric had to dip out right at the top of the hour because I got you. Okay. So, no, yeah, I haven't been on for, for the last four hours, but uh, a little longer than anticipated today. But how she goes. That is how it goes. Okay, I'm glad you have not been on for the entirety of the previous hour because that would be a lot of straight talking minus that 20-minute break. Yeah, no, me too, me too. I'd be a lot crankier, I think, if uh, (laughs) if that was the case. So we are good. Yourself, how are you doing? Doing all right. You know, I was just thinking about that must-champ mentality and how you said it works for DCs, probably not head coaches, as we found out with Tom Herman, by the way. You're right about uh, it peaking at DC, but it's also, it can be a good quality for a strength and conditioning coach, too. Can be. Yeah, yeah. Look, I think position coaches can have it. Like, Bo Davis on that Iowa State bus showed you he had some of that to him, and that's fine. Like, you, you got to have good cops and bad cops on the coaching staff, right? And if you've got some quote-unquote bad cops who lose their minds and sometimes go over the top on your staff that's not a bad thing you got to make sure guys are held accountable and guys uh you know stay in check and i think a good balance of coaching staff you want to have some player friendly coaches but you also want to have some of those dicks for lack of a better term who uh yeah just make sure everyone is doing their job and there is accountability within a program because way too often over the last decade and change it's felt like there's been a severe lack of accountability with Texas football, and uh, now it feels like you don't have that anymore, which is a great thing. So, yeah, head coach, you know, he, he, he needs to have the ability to be a jerk, but he can't be Mensa meathead like the last guy we had around mm-hmm. here. Hey, speaking of head coaches at the college level, did you see that On3 just released their top 10 head coaches in college football? I did not. Let's get into it. Okay, we will do that, and uh, I guess everybody knows Kirby Smart's number one right now for good reason, but it's a pretty interesting conversation after number one. Like, for you, who's the obvious, hmm, this is going to come out sounding not the right way, but uh, who is your number two, BK? Who is that number two? I usually don't name my number twos. (laughs) Is that something people do? Like, they name their cars, they're also starting to name their craps yeah you name goldfish i think number twos or maybe have slightly less of a shelf life than your average goldfish does they both go down the toilet when it's over Mm. who's the number two coach in college football or who's my you're asking like who my side chick is with my number two who is your number two no who is the second best coach in college football according to on3.com's top 10 college football head coaches god that's a that's a great question right like if you're talking about accomplishments it'd be Dabo, but i don't think you can have Dabo number two right now after the last two years that clemson has had and especially this past season um 
Harbaugh's gone. Saban's gone. Can't put Ryan Day there. You can't put DeBoer there. Can't put Sark there. Can't put Brian Kelly there, can you? Yeah. I don't know. Mac Brown's got a title. I don't know how many I'll, other I'll just tell you right now, Mac Brown is not in the top. <laughs> <laughs> I'm doing a horrible job. There's clearly a name that I'm missing. Like I, Lance Leipold should be in the top three. He's not, but that's that's me being biased. He's on the just missed list. Okay. You, uh, think, you, you have said the name of who their number two is. But my question for you is, who would your number two be? Who's my number two? Uh, Lance Leipold. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I watched I watched every Kansas football game for the last decade. And the fact that that guy in the span of like two years had Kansas in bowl games and winning bowl games, like that's that's the best coaching job I've seen in the nation in the last two years. Bias. To me. All right. Well, let me go ahead and show you then. Because yeah. It is a name that you said that there's that's their number two and a name that I just have a basic disagreement with them being considered the second best coach in college football. I don't care who just retired. Could it be? No. Oh, it is Brian Kelly. Brian Kelly. Yeah, I gave the face to try and throw you off the scent there, but it is Brian Kelly that is on threes, number two QB, or number two head coach, excuse me. Man. Yeah, look, I, like you talk about skins on the wall. He's never won a national championship, but he's coached in a national championship. He's the winningest coach in Notre Dame history, and that's a big deal when you think of all of the history that they've got up there in South Bend. Uh, I mean, it's, it's just weird to see. Whoa, nice. I know. I'm just now realizing I can do this. I didn't know you could. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to need a pointer on, uh, on how you're doing that. It's impressive. Uh, you share the... You share the uh, the tab, yeah. And you just shrink the screen down to what did you what you want it to be on the tab itself or on Streamyard? On the tab itself, yeah. Very cool. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, it's weird to put BK number two here because he just fired all of his defensive staff. I know because they had a bad year. So it's like I don't know who the obvious number two is. I think you have to have Brian Kelly in the top 10 somewhere because of what he's done. Yeah. But he just had the Heisman winner and and couldn't come close to the playoff or winning a conference championship because his defense was so bad. So, and then DeBoer, like, who is number two? Who should it be? There's, there's, there's one good, like, one really proven coach at his current job. Brian Kelly's a proven coach to me. Uh, but, like, and Dabo Sweeney's a proven coach to me, but like currently in college football at their current job, there's one super proven coach, and that's the guy who's number one on this list. I think that the number two right now is probably Kalen DeBoer with what he was able to do at Washington, getting them to that national championship game, and the fact that he just took over for Nick Saban at Alabama. So you take the past, the present, and then maybe consider the future as well. It's like for Dabo, as you mentioned, the only guy with – other than Kirby, who has multiple national championships, but he's also been slow to get with the times with regards to the transfer portal and NIL. And it does feel like that program is slipping right now, a la Mac Brown in Texas post-2009, although not that bad that uh, the first year after 2009. Um, so Dabo finds himself down on the list a little bit. Like Kyle Whittingham might have a, a good argument to be that dude, but we've also seen his team underachieve in the postseason when it's a bowl game that doesn't matter as much to them, right? Mm -hmm. Where 
you know, maybe they have playoff aspirations and they they don't make the playoff or they don't make the Rose Bowl and there's a pretty big letdown. But that's also not necessarily exclusive to Utah. So Whittingham probably deserves some mention. Ryan Day. Oh, he sucks. He does suck, but he's also made the college football playoff how many times? He's like Brian Kelly or Brian Kelly North, I guess, now that Brian Kelly's in the South. These are guys who whose teams tend to wilt in the big games. Mm. So it's Kalen DeBoer, Kelly. How about, how about Sark being number five? Like if you were to show this list to somebody last year, well, first they would have been like, why is Nick Saban not on there? But <laughs> Steve Sarkeesian being number five? Like that feels wrong, doesn't it? But I don't know who you put ahead of him. I'm not putting Lincoln Riley ahead of him. I'm not putting Lane Kiffin ahead of him. Whittingham, no. Norvell, nice season, but he's also a bit of a flash in the pan right now. Yeah, like Sark has had one great year as a head coach, not just at Texas, but anywhere. He's been a head coach at three places and has had one 10-win season. Him being number five just goes to show you that there aren't a lot of proven commodities right now in college football. That's why there's a great opportunity for a guy like Sark or uh, some of these other coaches on this list who are more up-and-comers, even though Sark has been at it for a while, that getting that success in 2023 and really being able to, to grow on that in the following seasons. It feels like there is a great opportunity for Sark. Heck, for DeBoer, too, if he can get the roster thing figured out with Alabama and a lot of the other guys on this list. You know, Lane Kiffin is lipping, licking his chops now that his – old boss is no longer around the sec because Ole Miss, I think overachieved in a sense last year, Lincoln Riley gets a bit of a fresh start getting to replace Alex Grinch's defensive coordinator. You know, he's going to get it going on offensively and uh, Mike Norvell. Look, they're still playing in the ACC, at least for right now, that's going to change in the next couple of years, but Mike Norvell, he has to replace a lot off of that roster, but I, I think he has proven himself over time at Florida State, also at Memphis, that he has the chops to be considered a really good head coach at a big-time program like the Seminoles. Yeah, man. You got five SEC coaches in this top ten right there, too. So, obviously not having Nick Saban around will make things easier for everybody in that conference. But yeah, most of the best coaches in the sport still reside in the SEC. Do you have the list of the just-missed-the-cuts in front of you? Like I got... I just uh, I can get, I know that list off the top of my head. It's it's uh, Lance. It's Dan Lanning, who might deserve to be in the top ten somewhere. Like I probably I'm probably kicking Lincoln Riley out for Dan Lanning right now. Oh, I'm not just because Lincoln's done more and he's coached longer. Yeah, I mean if if you're talking about like who I feel better about in the future, Dan Lanning's probably the answer to that, but. Lincoln made the playoff a couple of times at OU, so he he I'm cool with him being there. But God, the USC was such a disappointment this year. All right, yeah, yeah I'm going to stop sharing right now. The, uh, yeah. the other name on the just missed the cut list was oh Chris Kleiman. I think Chris Kleiman's is a good name to throw out there. Chris Kleiman's a good coach. Yeah, very good coach. Very very good coach. Won the Big Twelve last year. Man, that is bizarre. There are not a lot of household names in college football roaming the sidelines right now, but that's a good thing. Like you said, for Texas, I mean, that's a very, very good thing that Sark is, you know, a, a year away or a year removed from like, okay, Sark better be good this year or else we're going to be maybe starting to talk about his replacement to 
don't know, he might be a top five coach in college football. Uh, it goes to show you how much difference a year could make. And yeah, you, I think all Texas fans are confident that 2023 was not a flash in the pan for Sark or this football team in general. So uh, opportunity in the future. We I showed this yesterday, uh, maybe earlier this week on the morning show with Buck. And you look at uh, the teams Texas is playing this year. Let me see if I can find this real quick. But Texas obviously has 12 games on the regular season schedule in the fall of 2024. And most of the teams that Texas play are either replacing a head coach or a quarterback. I think there are four new head coaches that Texas will go up against this year. It's wow. Michigan. It's uh, Texas A&M. It's Mississippi State and one of the other non-conference teams. But Texas will also see eight first-year quarterbacks this year, which is like, you know, we, we've talked about it. Texas is the only college football playoff team that has its coach coming back. Uh, you look at most of the teams that are projected to be contenders in 2024, you know, it's like Texas and Georgia are the only two that have their head coach and their quarterback back. So all of that stuff bodes well for Texas. But, yeah, then you look at, like, the Longhorn schedule and you see that most of the opponents that they face – here it is. Just found it. Let me share the screen here. We'll uh, have to replace one or both of the two most important people on their team. So the green means guys coming back. The red means they've got to replace. So, yeah. I feel maybe way too confident about that Michigan game. It is in, in Ann Arbor, but Michigan lost so much, starting with Jim Harbaugh. But just about every important piece on both sides of the ball, certainly on offense, but defense, too, to a lesser degree. Uh, ULM is ULM, Mississippi State, Oklahoma. Georgia does return both head coach and quarterback, though. So, man, how excited is how exciting is that game going to be, assuming both those teams are undefeated heading into that one? I know there's a lot of tough games on the schedule for Texas up to that point, but if they can still be undefeated when Georgia comes to town, even if Georgia isn't undefeated just yet, I mean, that – there's going to be a lot on the line at that point. It should be uh, one of the most fun environments that uh, Texas fans have ever had a chance to take a part of at DKR. I mean, how about OU and Georgia back-to-back, too? I mean, like, it's the best yeah. environment in college football at the Cotton Bowl. That happens every year, and this year won't be any different. And then, yeah, Georgia coming into town right after that. I mean, are you kidding me? That's as good as it gets right there. It's a little scary that you have those two back-to-back because those are your two biggest games of the season. Yeah, bigger than the Michigan game because these are conference games, and I also think these games might be tougher than the Michigan game, to be perfectly honest with you. But, uh, oh, man, that is glorious. If you're a Texas fan and you get to make your way to both of those, dude, that is special right there. And yeah, Georgia and Florida are the only – in Colorado State. Okay. Those are the only three teams that uh, have their head coach and their quarterback back from this past season. Florida's head coach, hell, he might be fired – by the time that game happens, right? Like, I don't, no Gator fan has confident, uh, confidence in Billy Napier right now. And then Colorado State, I don't think that one should matter. So, yeah, uh, it's advantage Texas, man. Head coach and quarterback, those are the two most important things that I look for when trying to project who's going to win a football game. And Texas is going to have head coach and quarterback advantage way more often than not this coming season. Even with the move to the SEC, like, they will have the edge with those two spots a lot this year. And that's great. Yeah. That's we've only got what? Six more months to wait now. Uh, Seven more months to wait. Excuse me. Damn it. August is nine yeah. month, nine or month. 
eight. It's month nine that it starts, and we're just at the start of month two now. Uh, August. No, August is month eight. Eight, right? Two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. Ah, shit, you're right. It's a little closer. Because, I mean, it starts the last day of August, so it's not really August, but it is August. Yeah, that's a long time. Need a DeLorean or something here. That would help us out a lot. All right, we got to get to the big NFL news of the day with Dan Quinn taking the job in D.C. We'll uh, talk about what that means for them and also where the Cowboys could turn to replace Dan Quinn as defensive coordinator under Mike McCarthy. But uh, before we get to that, Trey, I'm putting you on the spot here. You uh, ready to roll for a big hat? I am. Big hat spirits. They are the latest rage in the canned cocktail world. You know that I'm somebody who really watches what I am consuming, food and beverage-wise. Do I? But I do like the occasional adult beverage as well. And this is where Big Hat comes into play. So many great flavors, but maybe most importantly for me, it's without all the bullshit. No syrups, no gluten, non-GMO, BPA-free, 100% natural, real spirits, no added sugars in most of these drinks. It's a combination of tequila and vodka drinks. You've got things like ranch water, jalapeno ranch water, the margarita, prickly pear, paloma, blackberry smoke, the Texas mule, and yes, as you hear Bucky talking about on the morning show, the margarita mocktail. It is no alcohol, though I imagine if you were to put some alcohol in that one, it would taste pretty good as well. You don't have to worry about that, though. They have the alcoholic version of the margarita, and you can get it right now at Specs 34 Wine and Spirits, and stay tuned because there will be more places in Austin as you can grab Big Hat Spirits, those Big Hat canned cocktails. Find out more info at BigHatSpirits.com. Yes, indeed. Shout out to Big Hat. Shout out to BetUS as well. If you're looking to make some money on the Super Bowl next Sunday, uh, you got to get to bet us if you're watching on youtube just click the link in the video description below if you're listening on the app just uh, click explore our socials on the front page of the texas sports unfiltered app and click the bet us link there you deposit 50 bucks or more and you'll be on your way to winning oh by the way they're going to match that deposit they're going to give you free money if you put 50 dollars or more into your bet us account and, uh, hey, you don't have to wait to the Super Bowl. If you want to bet on college basketball tonight, the NBA, the NHL, golf, whatever sport, any time of the year, they've got it for you at BetUS. Plus, casino games as well, the online blackjack. They've got poker. They've got roulette. All of your favorite casino games online. Just click the link in the description or on the app, and uh, you are going to be ready to win today. Shout out to BetUS. And also, how about a word from our great friends at Cover BK? Hi, I'm Dan Cover with my wife, Hayden. Welcome to Cover BK. Our newest location in the gorgeous Hill Country includes Buick, GMC, Cadillac, Chrysler, Dodge, Jeep, and Ram, and hundreds of pre-owned and certified vehicles for you to choose from. We have three service departments that are ready to take care of your car, truck, or SUV with 86 service bays to accommodate any repair and get you in and out quickly. Come visit us today to select the vehicle you've been dreaming about. Covert, born and raised in Austin. Yes, indeed. Quick check of the Coda text line, 512-222-9328. A uh, 512 number says Elko should be number two. Ah. Got an Aggie tuned in today. Or a Longhorn poking fun at the Aggies. I'm not sure. But uh, no, did not see Mike Elko on 
on three's list of the top 10 coaches in college football. Aggie fans hope that he's on this list this time next year because it means A&M is really overachieved in year one for him. Yeah, what do they have to do for Elko to get on this list? Like 10 wins? 10 wins, maybe a SEC championship game appearance. Oh, man. Yeah. He'd, 10 wins alone probably doesn't do it, but a championship game appearance might. He would have earned his spot, and that's probably a playoff spot too. If you're going 10-2 and two and you're making oh, it to the yeah. SEC title game, I guess if you lose that title game and that's your third loss, it could be dicey, but uh, that's in the mix with the expanded playoff. I don't, I don't think A&M is going to be doing that this year. Uh, no. We shall see. Okay, Trey, the big news out of the NFL impacts one of the Texas teams. The last vacancy. Her NFL head coach has been filled. Dan Quinn, the Cowboys defensive coordinator, has taken the job to be the next head coach of the Washington football team commander skins, whatever we're supposed to call them these days. Um, so now the Cowboys need a defensive coordinator. I guess before that, your thoughts on the commies move to go with Dan Quinn, who clearly wasn't their first choice, but I'm sure they'll tell us that he was the guy that they wanted all along. <laughs> Yeah, look, I mean, Dan Quinn has earned another opportunity as a head coach. She did have that previous team on the cusp of winning a Super Bowl before an epic collapse, historic collapse. And since he's come to Dallas, the defense, a lot of games has been the strength of this football team. And so I'll be curious to see what Dan Quinn is able to do going forward. It's going to come down to who he hires as his offensive coordinator i have a feeling and a guy who is not just a good play caller but someone who is very adept at developing quarterbacks they have that number two pick they have to decide between may and daniels right now and i see mock drafts drafts with them going with either guy ultimately i feel like they probably go daniels but ultimately uh, that's just a complete guess by me so he's walking into a situation that is maybe not as dire as some people think it is because you have that high pick, you have a good pick throughout this year's draft. Of course, you've got some good weapons on the outside at wide receiver. Uh, you do have some talent at, at running back as well. You're working to get that offensive line fixed. You have some decent pieces on defense, but that's where Dan Quinn comes into play too. I don't know. What do you think about the hire? Obviously it hurts the Cowboys, but what do you think about it? from the commies standpoint? Yeah, I think you hit the nail on the head. Like the offensive coordinator is going to be extremely important, right? Like can Dan Quinn hire the right guy to work with the quarterback that they're going to take number two overall? Like I've seen some people say, oh, they drafted or they hired a defensive coach. Does that mean they're going to take a defensive player number two? No, no chance. Like Dan Quinn realizes that uh, to be successful in this league, you have to have good quarterback play and Washington does not have anything close to a franchise quarterback on its roster right now. Uh, but they've got to get the offensive hire right. Now I think the Texans... That's a model for the commanders. They hired a defensive coach, even though they had the number two overall pick and were going to take a quarterback. But D'Amico Ryans brought in the right offensive coordinator and Bobby Slowick, and boom, look how quickly the Texans turned things around. They went from uh, you know worst to first in their division and won a playoff game. So it can be done in relatively short order if you get the right hires in place. But that's going to be a big one. I, I think it's a great hire. It's just it's a little weird that they did go with the defensive route. But that goes to my earlier point. Like, they wanted Ben Johnson. Ben Johnson said no. And my guess is they probably would have preferred Bobby Slowick over Dan Quinn. But Bobby Slowick got a new deal in Houston. So he said no. So I think uh, they were kind of running out of options. And they sort of settled on Dan Quinn. But I, I think Dan Quinn's a very good head coach. 
And you know the stat I always bring up, Trey. Nobody has won a Super Bowl as a head coach with two different teams. So I think Dan Quinn losing that Super Bowl as it's the most embarrassing Super Bowl loss ever with that 28 to three collapse. That actually, to me, makes Dan Quinn a more attractive head coach than what he would have been if he won that Super Bowl with the Falcons. There have been coaches, hell, Andy Reid, about to be in another Super Bowl. They've made it to Super Bowls. They didn't win with one team. Then they won it somewhere else. That has happened a number of times in the NFL. So I, I like the hire, man. Like as a Cowboys fan, a little bit nervous, waiting to see what the offensive coordinator hire looks like. But I think Dan Quinn is a very, very good coach, and he absolutely earned the right to get another chance as a head man in this league. You think Dallas should hire from within for the new D.C.? No, I don't. I don't. Um, There are a couple of names that have been mentioned. Rodney talked about Wink Martindale, who was in Baltimore forever. He's been with the Giants the last couple of years. I mean, he's one of the most successful D.C.s in in NFL history. I I would call Mike Vrabel. Mike Vrabel would be my first choice. Maybe Mike Vrabel wants to take a year off, and he's like, I don't need to be a DC. I'll get I'll get a head coaching gig next year, even if I don't do anything this season. But, like, yeah, Mike Vrabel, NFL head coaching experience, great defensive mind. Uh, that's the type of guy I would want in Dallas. And if Mike McCarthy gets fired midseason, you know, Vrabel could be a good interim guy. Like, he's got that experience to where, all right, you know, I would trust that he'd be able to maybe turn things around if the Cowboys ship was starting to sink. That would be my first choice as DC. That may somehow be an upgrade at DC if such a thing exists, but to have the insurance policy there too, just in case things aren't going swimmingly with McCarthy through the first month or two of the season, boy. And by the way, in this NFL, it's so parody driven now, uh, all is not lost if you're not great through the first six to seven weeks. There's still a chance to turn it around and finish a game or two above 500 and find yourself back in the postseason hunt. So I like that idea a lot, but I tend to think like uh, one of the uh, the comments that you made within that analysis that Mike Vrabel is probably okay taking the year off, recharging, not having to worry about it. He can probably make good money uh, sitting on a desk somewhere, pregame, halftime, postgames, and just uh, just enjoy his life for one football season versus the constant grind that is coaching at the NFL level. Yeah. Yeah, and this is where I wonder, like, who's going to make this hire? Does Mike McCarthy get to pick his D.C.? Or is this a Jerry Jones bit? Like, if it's McCarthy, he, he might try to promote somebody from within. Now, I don't know who Dan Quinn's going to take with him. I assume Dan Quinn's going to try to take at least a couple of guys on his staff to go to Washington. But, you know, a Joe Witt Jr., maybe Al Harris, who's the DB coach for the Cowboys last year, like, they, they could just get promoted from within. Um that's something to watch. And then a couple of other external names. Ron Rivera, speaking of Washington, guy is a great defensive coordinator. Obviously, has been a head coach a couple of different times. Uh, great defensive mind in this league. Almost like a trade, Dan Quinn for Ron Rivera. That'd be kind of funny if that's what ended up going down. And Mike Zimmer, another name. Like he's got ties. He's been with the Cowboys before. He's got a relationship with the Jones family. Uh, got fired from Minnesota as the head coach a couple of years ago. Yeah. But another highly respected defensive mind in this league, like there are some big names out there. It's a little scary. Defensive mind. Bill Belichick. Yeah, no chance. No <laughs> chance. Bucky this morning was like, um, you know, oh, fire, if you fire McCarthy midseason, 
give Belichick like a half year contract and let him take over. I'm like, Bill Belichick ain't taking a half year contract, dude. There's no chance that that happens. And that guy ain't taking a DC job either. He's, he's sitting out until he gets a head coaching job. And if he doesn't get a head coaching job, I think he's done coaching. That guy's ego is way too big for him to take that big of a step back to be a coordinator again before I'm talking about the, the guy with more Super Bowls than any other coach ever. Being a DC, no chance. I wouldn't hate it, but no chance. Nope, no chance. I think those are the big names right there. Grable makes too much sense, so that means the Cowboys won't do it. There it is. Try to click on that like four times. One working. Uh, all right, so we will we will see what uh, what the Cowboys end up doing there. Obviously, a big off season for Dallas. We've got a lot of questions to uh, to get answered between now and the start of next year. Some more shout-outs to some more great sponsors. We'll let you hear from one of them right now. How about a word from uh, our guy Tom McKay over at AV Consultations? This is Tom McKay, owner of Audiovisual Consultations, and we'd like to take a moment to thank all of our clients for making the last 25 years both fun and fruitful. For those of you who have not experienced our services yet, we'd like to invite you to give us a try for all of your home electronics needs. We take care of everything from surround sound home theaters and distributed audio to computer networks, home surveillance systems, to a new television in the living room or bedroom. And we come to you. There's no need to leave your home to find great pricing and incomparable service. No traffic, inexperienced sales geeks, or pushy showroom tactics. Just give us a call and we'll visit you at your home or business to take a look at what you really need. Just relax, hug your kids, and smile. We make your electronics and life simpler to manage. So give us a call and discover what over 7,000 families and businesses already have. Audiovisual consultations is the easiest, most complete way to enjoy today's electronics. Call us at 512-255-8678. That's 512-255-8678 or online at avconsultations.com. All right, Trey, you up for a uh, non-sports survey here? Let's go. I hope I'm not stealing one of your where are we at in society stories. I've got a cavalcade of those. Hit me with it. Good word right there. We've uh, got something from our friends at Lending Tree. Okay. They've surveyed 2,000 U.S. consumers. And this survey was about self-checkout. Are you a fan of the self-checkouts at the grocery store? Very big fan of the self-checkout. You cut out the middle man slash woman slash they, them. Thank you for being sensitive to that. We appreciate it. Slash wow. Z, G. I'm sorry, Wong Zhi Zhi? Who are you talking about here? <laughs> that was Wong Zhu Zhu, wasn't it? Or did he pronounce it Zhi Zhi? It was uh, E-I-E I and Z-H-E are now in the pronoun list. I'm sorry. What now? Z, Z-I-E, and Z, Z-H-E are now considered pronouns. Oh, those are now my pronouns. Just take a look at your screen. <laughs> Make well, sure you get right. those right moving forward, all right? That's uh, how I'm going to be referred to from now on. So thank you very much. Uh, yeah, I'm with you. Self-checkout's great. It's very easy. Uh, yeah, you don't have to talk to people. You can go in and out. You don't have to wait in line because usually, you know, if you're doing self-checkout, you just have a few items so it doesn't take you that long and you don't have to wait behind somebody who's got a ginormous shopping cart with like 50 things in it. Yeah, a lot of pros to the uh, the self-checkout. And 
of the 2,000 people that they surveyed, 96% of them admitted to using self-checkout at one point or another. No surprise there. That that feels accurate. I feel like everyone's tried it at least once. Maybe Bucky's a part of the 4%, actually, but just not everybody else, I think, has tried it uh, when you're not trying Bulls to throw are it. intimidated by the self-checkout. Yeah, well, they still use it. They try to pay with cash, and it just takes forever. Uh, and they're always having questions. They're always needing help from the person who works there. And almost almost feels like there should be an age limit on the self-checkout. Yeah, and the way they try and get in a hold of the uh, the grocery store employees to help them out is very disparaging, too. Like, I was at the Central Market self-checkout the other day, and there was this older lady. She looked like a real-life version of Mrs. Doubtfire, although I guess a female version of Mrs. Doubtfire. She turned to the woman and said, Yoo-hoo! Yoo-hoo! <laughs> I was like, did she just yoo-hoo? And she did it, like, two more times before the, the person... Like it caught their attention and they walked over to help them out. But yeah, yoo-hoo, that is, oh my gosh, if you ever do that to me, we're going to have a problem. I am not going to appreciate that. Gosh, you hit them with the chocolate milk. That's right. Oh. I asked the 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 uh, employee there afterwards, I'm like, did she really just yoo-hoo you like four or five times? She's like, yeah, she's like, that's far from the, the most insulting thing somebody does to try and get my attention, though. That's one of those, like, you just rip off your apron or whatever you're wearing and walk out. You're quitting your job after something like that happens. Yep. My God. So, look, I think we talked about it. Like, speed, convenience, those are the reasons why most people, I think, hit the self-checkout over the normal checkout. But apparently, shoplifting is a big thing when it comes to the self-checkout. 69%, very nice, of users believe that the self-checkout machines contribute to shoplifting. And not many Americans have admitted to stealing via self-checkout, but those who do don't necessarily plan to stop. 15% of self-checkout users have confessed to purposely stealing. Have you ever, have you ever done that? No. There may be a time or two where I've accidentally forgotten something and it's still in my cart and I walk out and it's like, ah, do I go back in and have to explain myself away here? Or do I just roll with it? Hmm. And I probably take option B, but I'm not looking to steal stuff necessarily. 60% of those who have stolen felt remorseful and 33% say they've been caught, but 44% say they'll likely do it again. So, now, where does entering, because you know you have to, how you have to enter the PLUs for the fruits and vegetables that you buy at the grocery store? Mm -hmm. Where does entering non-organic instead of organic, even though you're buying organic, where does that fall under? Ah, uh, okay. You're finding ways to give yourself some discounts. S somebody might. I, I don't do that. I enter the, uh, oh, the nine before the fruit or vegetable code. Oh, asking for a friend. Okay, I got it. Sure, guy. My cousin, as you guys like to ah, say. Ah, yes, the cousin. Wow, big fan of organic food, huh? I didn't realize your cousin also sucks. That's disappointing for him. Uh, I don't know. That's what I don't. I don't care. That's fine. I'm sure a lot of people do that. I, I really don't do that. For the record, I'm not. That is not me uh, posturing. I really. I. I just. I know it can save you some nickels and quarters here and there, but I'm just going to pay for what I'm buying. There you go. Well, you, you care to take a guess, Trey, on which generations 
are most responsible or at least most willing to admit that they are responsible for the purposeful stealing of items at the self-checkout? Willing to admit, oh, this is uh, America's youth protesting bullshit wages and corporatism, probably Gen Z. Good call. Yep. So we said 15% of self-checkout users confess to purposely stealing. Of that 15%, 31% are Gen Zs and 21% are millennials. So more than half of those who admitted to uh, purposefully snagging stuff from the grocery store uh, are the younger half, I guess, of our country. Millennials, you're not that young anymore. I know, BK, you get lumped into that category now. Hey, your birthday's coming up and slightly more than a month you're about to turn 30 yeah do i do i get to not be a millennial anymore after that That's not how so you uh you get to be the millennial who's actually the the voice of reason in the sea of insanity that is millennialism thank you i appreciate that that's the rite of passage that comes from turning 30 I guess so. Well, you, you've already, always been that voice of reason. So as far as the self-checkout thing goes, here's mm-hmm. where I get some amusement. Because typically the self-checkout lines are, what, 10 to 15 items at most. I think Whole Foods now says 10-ish items so that they don't have a line Nazi who's calling people out who maybe has an extra avocado in there and that takes the number to 11. All right. I will push that boundary on a given day because I'm very efficient as a packer of groceries, as a sacker, a bagger, if you will. Mm. A past life, I did work as a bagger at the Whole Foods in Chicago, drink up. But I enjoy that process, but I'm also really good at it too. So sometimes I'll try and get in there with like, it's 10 items or less at Central Market. I'll try and get in there with like 15 to 20 items. And sometimes I get away with it. And sometimes, and I will only do this, by the way, if, the self-checkout is completely empty. If there's a line, I'm not going to be a dick to other people who have 10 items or less. But if it's completely empty there, then I'll try and get in. Sometimes the employee at Central Market will be like, nope, that's more than 10 items. You have to go to the regular checkout. Oh, seriously? Yeah, I get called out for it. And look, it's 10 or less. And I'm clearly over 10 with what's in my cart. And I'm like, all right. I'm like, there's nobody in here right now. I'm saving one of your cashiers, the time of, of having to check out somebody's groceries. I'm very efficient, and, but the answer is always no. Mm. Yeah, the beauty of Randall's, which I think is where I do the majority of my grocery shopping these days, is they don't have that 10-item limit on the uh, self-checkout. Really? So, yeah. So you occasionally see somebody with way too many items go there. But like I'll, I'll be in that 10 to 15, sometimes even closer to 20 range. And like I, I know I'm fast enough. I know how to use the machine enough to where it's like I won't be holding up the line. But that's kind of a nice bit there. So you don't have to worry about anybody freaking out. The line Nazi, as you uh, as you call them. Good job, Randall's. Yeah, it's good on Randall's part. I like that. I like that right there. I'm getting some ideas from this, by the way. Like this is a very helpful survey. Now, I, I didn't even think about trying to steal stuff from the self-checkout. But now... Yeah, I feel like that's a good idea right there. You know, if I got something that's significantly more expensive than everything else, I just slide it across the top you know, of the scanner, but not to where the barcode is facing down. So it doesn't actually scan, and it just somehow finds its way into my bag. Or like, you're getting like four avocados and you scan it, 
and it says, how many avocados are you getting? And you just say one. Mm. So you get buy one, get three free. That's a great idea. Ah, now we're really helping the youths of our country. How do bananas work? Like, is it by the banana or is it by the bunch? It is by the pound. It's not uh, quantity. It's um, it's weight. Randall's hits me with the quantity. I can get like a thing of eight bananas and I put one as the quantity and then it's like 25 cents. Great deal. Oh, they're asking how many bananas total? Uh, they're asking how many uh, bundles of bananas, I think. Bunches of bananas, okay. Bunches, of, yeah, you know, and I'm like uh, Pat Mahomes in those State Farm commercials. I'm a, I'm a good bundler, so it's all it's all bundled, bunched together. So it's one banana that I'm grabbing. You know the proper way to eat a banana according to our primate ancestors. Is this a different car insurance reference you're making here? <laughs> nope. Mm-hmm. Uh, no. Are you supposed to eat it with the peel on? Oh, God. I don't think so. Maybe the crazy monkeys out there might do that. But most of us humans, we peel it from the stem side. But in the wild, most primates actually peel it from the bottom down. So they peel it from the other side. Hey, we've evolved, dude. We don't have to do that stuff anymore, all right? That's one of the things that's a part of our evolution is we peel the banana from the correct side. It does make it easier to peel the banana, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. I've never even thought about going backwards on that deal. And if this if this is true, I, I might be closing forever. Magic Man, I feel like that is... <laughs> there's got to be something to back that up. I could yeah. be wrong, though. <laughs> yeah. that. Yep, you know, like, I, I don't know. HEB could be closed forever. The, the Dallas Cowboys could be moving. I could be wrong on that. Uh, I could have killed somebody before this. Could be wrong. I don't know. Oh, man. I, look, I don't usually go into a Randall's, and it's very rare. It's maybe once or twice every year or two. Whenever I go into Randall's, I'm not looking around thinking, yeah, this place is really competing with HEB right now with how busy it is. Randall's is normally a ghost town. That's why I go. Like, HEB has got the better selection, and the HEB brand is great, and the prices are usually less than Randall's, but there's just too many people yeah. at HEB all the time. Like, and I, I think I've told you this before. Like, I, you know me. I don't get phased very often. Like, I'm very good in crowds, very good around people, whatever. There are certain places that just that phase me a little bit, and the grocery store is one of them. Shopping mall and grocery store, those are like the two where it's like, I am not myself. I am high-strung in those places so i pop in the headphones every time i'm at the grocery store and i want like as, as little human interaction as possible with those places so that's that's the biggest reason why i go to randall's over any other grocery store I it's so I'm- interesting because you are a people person and you are willing to strike up a conversation with just about anybody it's the jewish mother in you as you put it many years ago but you don't have the time in the grocery store. That's way too many people. You'll never get out of there if you take that mindset into the grocery store. Yeah, I'm with you, man. It's just everyone like fighting for the same stuff. And I don't know. I just I just lock in. Dude, grocery store on a Sunday around noon and all-inclusive resorts and tropical paradises are, are the places where you usually see the worst of human interaction. Yeah, I also have a no grocery store on the weekends bit. 
Like, so you can get away with it if you go before a certain hour, depending on if it's Saturday or Sunday. Saturday, it has to be a little bit earlier. Sunday, you can get away with it in this community until like 10.30 or 11. Mm-hmm. There is a church-going crowd, but there's also the atheist crowd who doesn't go to church who will try and get in at like 10, 10.30. But if you go to Central Market before 9 on Saturdays, you're you're good. It's like you're going at 8 o'clock on a weeknight. And same thing goes for Sundays before 9.30 or 10. Mm, there you go. Quick uh, code of text before we get to where are we at in society. Someone says, go to the self-service scale, weigh three bananas, then put the actual bag, put the sticker on the actual bag of bananas that you're buying. Eh, too much work. And that's going to cost me more. That's a bad combination. And yeah, I, I don't. I don't like the sticker bit. The sticker bit just frustrates me. It's like, where does the sticker go? Does it get wrinkled up? And then all of a sudden you create another problem for yourself at the checkout. Mm-hmm. I don't need any of that. Too much work. All right. Altstad beer. That's not work. It's easy to crack open an ice cold Altstad beer. It's the most enjoyable part of my day. It would be the most enjoyable part of your day as well because it's the best beer that you can find all throughout the great state of Texas. They've got it. At H-E-B, at Randall's, of course, Total Wine, Twin Liquor Specs. Wherever you buy your beer, you can find six packs of Altstadt beer. I'm in Houston right now. I was out at a bar with some buddies last night. Had me an Altstadt beer. It's popping up more and more at the best bars and restaurants all throughout the state of Texas as well. Make sure you are accompanying your good times with the greatness of Altstadt beer. No impurities, no regrets. Trey, best Wranglers today? That's right. Pest wranglers, pest wranglers, pest wranglers. If you have pest problems around your home, maybe your place of business, the best business to call is pest wranglers. Pestwranglers.com is the website. And since 2006, our guy Steve, a.k.a. Cooter, has been running a top-notch business with pest wranglers. Uh, and it's founded in his love of people and his valuing of relationships He makes sure to treat his employees exceptionally in return. They give you, the customer, the best service around. That's why they have so many five-star ratings and reviews on Google, Yelp, and elsewhere. Their motto, effective, reliable, affordable. They don't have contracts. If you're not happy with the service, you can cancel at any time. That's how confident they are with that customer service. They can help out with mosquitoes, rodent control and exclusion, uh, inspections for residential and commercial properties, and a whole lot more. Go to pestwranglers.com to find out more info and to get that free estimate. You can also give them a call, 512-670-7808. That's 670-7808. Pest Wranglers, as always, is a proud sponsor of. Where are we at in society today? All right, it is your daily look at stories that show we as a people are headed in the wrong direction. Very occasionally, I will bring you a story that provides a sense of optimism as it's all saying to ourselves, hey, maybe we as a people are starting to figure something out. Sadly, though, today is not that day. We have another edition of our technology will eventually win whatever war exists between man and machine, BK. Yes, sir. Headline, California bill calls for tech to make new cars unable to speed. Oh. Someday, in the not-too-distant future, according to Car and Driver, it might no longer be possible to drive a brand-new car faster than 80 miles per hour in California. That's because State Senator Scott Weiner earlier this week, 
proposed a new bill that aims to prevent certain new vehicles from going more than 10 miles per hour over the speed limit. In California, the maximum posted speed limit is 70 miles per hour, meaning anything north of 80 would be off limits. What did you say the guy's name was? Scott Wiener. Wiener? These nuts. Hmm. I assume he hasn't been castrated, so yes, he probably does have nuts, too. Yeah, that's probably a safe assumption on your part. Well, this guy really fits his last name, doesn't he? Because this is a wiener move by Scott here. This is lame. Come on, man. So how is this going to work? This is not self-driving cars. This is all cars? It is all cars. It calls for this bill, and so this is just a bill right now. It is not a law, thank goodness. It calls for speed governors, is what they're calling them, on new cars and trucks built or sold in California, starting with the 2027 model year. These vehicles would be required to have an intelligent speed limiter system that electronically prevents the driver from speeding above the aforementioned threshold. The limiter tech wouldn't apply to emergency vehicles, thank goodness. There's also language in the bill that the passive device would have the ability to temporarily disable, I'm sorry, to be temporarily disabled by the driver. I'm like, holy shit, temporarily disabled the driver. That sounds violent. Uh, But it's unclear in what situations that might apply, probably an emergency situation. The bill also states that automakers would be able to disable the speed limiter fully, but only for authorized emergency vehicles. The commissioner of the California Highway Patrol could authorize disabling the speed limiter, too, at their discretion. So essentially, uh, the dealerships and lawmakers in California will have control over how much over the speed limit you might be able to go. This is California, right? Uh, Yeah, that's not surprising at all. Right. There's also more traffic in California than anywhere else in the world. Yeah. Everyone spends all of their time in California driving in traffic. That's the top priority for them right now the very few hours when you're on a highway in california you're able to actually go anywhere close to the speed limit we have to slow people down that's their number one issue you kidding me and then 11 11 miles an hour over the speed limit like that is super dangerous really that's why they have rules like the ticket you get is more expensive and the punishment you get is more harsh the, f- the more over the speed limit that you're driving. Like, it's already in place to, s- to screw you if you're driving faster anyways. I don't know how they feel like 11 miles an hour over is the dangerous number. That 81? It's ridiculous. Bad bit. I would argue that if you're going to do it, 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 you can maybe consider it at, like, 15 or 20 over. But even then, like, why do you make cars that go that fast? Right. Yeah, I... <laughs> It's more dangerous to have people like him in government positions than have people driving 11 miles an hour over the speed limit. Yeah, Wiener did try and explain this one to ABC7 News in California. I don't think it's at all an overreach, and I don't think most people would view it as an overreach. We have speed limits. I think most people support speed limits because people know that speed kills. That's this jackass's response to this stupid bill. Is he a U-Haul worker? They've got all those stickers inside U-Haul that say speed kills. Oh, is that right? You just moved. That's how you know this. Yeah, I've driven plenty of U-Haul. It's just a random piece of info for you to know. Yep. Yep. That's, uh, oh, man. Yeah, bad bit right there.
that bit right there. That's now, the legislation is an attempt, according to those in the know, to address rising traffic fatalities in California, which have increased by 22% from 2019 to 2022. The speed-related deaths in California increased by 30% in that time, and nationally, they've increased by 24% during that time. Well, speed is one factor there. I would argue a bigger factor is something that we talked about a few days ago with the, uh, or maybe it was yesterday, with the self-repossessing cars, where it's like how many people are distracted by their phones behind the wheel. So, yeah, if they're going fast, that obviously makes it a more dangerous situation. The biggest problem is most likely the fact that people are like this behind the wheel of a car looking at that phone. Yeah. That is the biggest issue. That's that's one that probably needs uh, correcting more than anything else. Now, so there's no. You said the exceptions are emergency vehicles. I mean, what if what if you're driving somebody to the hospital in an emergency situation? Is there a way around that? So I think that's where they were getting into the driver being able to disable the limiter, or the dealership or the government being able to do so. Like you have to call a number. <laughs> probably scan a barcode oh Most yeah my wife my wife just went into labor uh oh shoot before we go i gotta i gotta take the time to call this 1-800 number sit on the hold and then end up talking to somebody named sam in georgia who is clearly not sam or not in georgia maybe the country not the state uh and then we can go to the hospital that makes sense it's good it's fucking it's fucking ridiculous yeah i mean that i don't want to be the guy who's like oh you're focused on that like but you're focused on that it feels like that state has more issues than that right now. There are more problems in California being caused by other stuff than someone driving 11 miles an hour above the speed limit at, I don't know, 10 at night when rush hour finally ends, if no, it even ends. No question. Yeah, goodness. All right, people keep asking me to show you one of the Jeopardy clips that I showed the buck this morning. This was oh. part of our throwback Thursday bit. I think this is uh, the one that they want to see. For some reason, Jeopardy has been trending on social media over the last couple of days. And uh, this this might be the worst Jeopardy answer ever given. Uh, in life for 400, please. In common law, the age of this signaling adulthood is presumed to be 14 in boys and 12 in girls. Tom, what is the age of consent? Oh, God. Hmm. Oof. Yeah, somebody get Chris Hansen out there to check on that dude, please. What was the reaction to that by Trebek? Very quick no. I mean, very quick no. And then somebody else got the answer right, and they said, what is puberty? And that seemed like an obvious answer, but uh, not so for Tom. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. yeah I need to Can we see Tom one more time, please? I know we have to play the whole video, but... Yeah, here we go. Uh, in life for 400, please. In common law, the age of this signaling adulthood is presumed to be 14 in boys and 12 in girls. Tom, what is the age of consent? Oh, boy. I want to judge a book by its cover, but uh, not, not a completely surprising answer out of Tom there. Yeah, I mean, they, they, they should have had the FBI backstage waiting for that dude after that show was over. I mean, my God, check that guy's internet history. Check his flight logs. Yikes, Tom. Yikes. All right. People wanted me to show you that. There's that. I saw Zay laughing in the background. That's, that's tough. Uh, yeah. 
Yeah, Tom, he could have answered it a little differently, but hey, whatever. You work so hard to get on Jeopardy and you throw that shit out? Damn, <laughs> Come on, man. Has anyone checked on Tom lately? Is yeah. investigating his computers? Yeah, that's... Somebody needs to. He seemed uh, pretty okay, How are you holding up, man? I'm good, man. Dan, Dan Quinn to the Commanders? Yeah, uh, a little disappointed. I think it's a good hire by the commies. They've got to get the offensive coordinator hire right. I am surprised they went defense, but I think they ran out of offensive guys that they wanted, so that's why they pivoted to Dan Quinn. But if the Cowboys get the D.C. hire right, then I don't think it's that big of a deal. But do does anyone trust the Cowboys to get any hire right these days? Mm. Damn. And who makes that hire? Is it McCarthy or is it Jerry? Who gets to? It's Jerry. Jerry. Yeah. yeah so I, I don't know but, if that's uh, better or worse. Mike is uh, hanging around the rim. Uh, <laughs> hey, yo, BK, watch out for that uh, fat bitch that's um, drugging people downtown. Watch out. Watch out. Oh. Yeah, what the hell are you talking about? You don't have to. You don't have to call me fat or a bitch. That's me. No, man, I'm not talking about you. I'm talking about the girl that is drugging dudes downtown. She got a dude off Rainy. She got a dude off West Six, sending over twenty three hundred and Venmo to random people, switching people's phones out, maxing out credit cards. Yes, there's a woman that looks like a thirty year old Kathy Bates. Running around the ATX causing havoc. Watch out. Watch out. Them days for me are over, so I don't got to worry as much. But, yeah, check it out. I'm telling I might, you. I might be in love, boys. <laughs> how is, the, how is uh, the single life these days, BK? It's fantastic. How would you describe it? Uh, good. Fantastic. Uh, better than Houston. That's for sure. Women in Austin are great, and there are plenty of them. So I'm enjoying it. Yeah, it deserves a flex. Yeah, yeah thanks, Chip, for flexing for me. BK gets it. an olipop for that Whoa. one. Oh, that, that, that's two days in a row with the uh, watermelon lime. Is that the yeah, go-to like now? I like it. I think that's like the one that I haven't tried yet. I, I keep seeing you drink it. It makes me feel like I need to get one. It's a win. Okay. Cream soda, still number one, but watermelon lime, moving up the charts. Okay. Good to Don't know. sleep on the cherry soda. That one's good, too. It's up there with the uh, the cherry Coke. I'll have to try that. I do not take that comparison lightly because I used to love cherry Cokes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That was the best soda growing up. I'll, I'll grab a cherry Coke every once in a while in the airport, you know? There you go. The airport's like anything goes, you know? Oh, yeah. When you're traveling, it doesn't matter. Nobody like cares about Power Patch Kids and a Cherry Coke. Oh, man. That's going to get me through this layover. guys. <laughs> Come on now. I mean, sometimes you're tired. You make tired decisions. <laughs> okay, that's true. I would never buy that at the store for myself, only in the airport. I think I've eaten at McDonald's five times in the last 20 years, and all five have been for breakfast at an airport. So I, I guess yeah. I uh, I do fall in line with that philosophy, too, Chip. Just yeah. make sure you all reach the lavatory on those airplanes, please. 
or before you get on the airplane or before yeah too many of those stories let that Please. run its course Gross. before you get on the airplane amen all right fellas all right, all right y'all. see y'all tomorrow happy black history month fellas appreciate yes, you happy black history month talk to you at three all right